Voices of the Ancestors, where we explore Georgian polyphonic songs and the women who sing them. The voices today are me, Susan Thompson, and me, Holly Taylor-Zuntz. And the voice you heard at the top of the episode was Tama Boadze singing Ase Chonguri with her grandmother's voice and tonality. Welcome to Series 2 of Voices of the Ancestors. We've missed you. This episode has been a long time in the pipeline, nearly a year, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we first visited Tamar uh, last summer, wasn't it? When it was, um, she was holding a workshop in the park. Oh, that's right. Oh, that was a first, wasn't it? It was the first time she'd done an open workshop. Um, and she put this, this call out to people, you know, come and sing in the park, young, old, doesn't matter if you've sung before or not. And then, oh, she's so busy. She managed to fit a meeting with us. It was the first time we'd met her. Um, and then she went straight to a TV interview. And then she went straight to leading this this unique workshop. <laughs> yeah. So we were pretty lucky to get to meet her and then go back a few months later with our recording equipment and have a wonderful interview with her, which I think she was fitting around her teaching or or it might have been on a public holiday or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's, it's, it takes a lot to put an episode together for you guys out there, you know. I mean, we have to, this time we were coordinating our um, interpreter. So we had Zoe Perret with us uh, because we learned the first time we met um, Tamar that she doesn't have very much English and we don't have very much Georgian and we didn't have enough German between us to communicate. No, my brain can't handle German and Georgian and English at the same conversation. <laughs> so yeah, Zoe was amazing. Um, she actually came twice uh, with, because I went back a second time um, to interview Tamar and to get more recordings of her singing with her grandmother's voice. So the second time that was when, Susan, you weren't in Georgia, but I was and you said, Holly, go just grab the moment and go back to Rastavi. And uh, so me and Zoe, we got on the Mashrutka to Ristavi uh, to the music school. Um, actually, yeah, the, the main road is right outside the music school. So that's exactly where the Mashrutka stops. Um, it's not some big grand conservatoire. It's, um, it's just an old building and the cars are kind of rattling past. <laughs> and yeah. you can hear them from inside. And, there's all sorts of people bustling around, coming in, looking for Tamar and going out again. And, <laughs> and actually, the second time I went, um, I got to meet Tutachella because uh, I went to their rehearsal. And that was amazing hearing the, the women sing, being led by Tamar. And they were singing all sorts of songs. Um, some of them were from Lazetti. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's the the type of music that Tamar um it's probably most well known for um, arranging, and we'll talk about that more in the episode. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really what drew us into 
I, mean, I think one of our listeners had suggested, oh, we'd really, really great if you could interview Tamar. And then I knew that she um, was behind a lot of the songs that I'd learnt, well, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But at that stage, I had no idea that she's kind of worked on them or arranged them. So for me, it was it was a dream come true to actually meet her and understand sort of how that all came about. Absolutely. So you're hearing this episode now because we reached our financial goal. Thanks to our amazing patrons and Kofi supporters who've supported the project regularly with donations. So thanks to them buying us a cup of coffee once a month, uh, we've been able to just do this work that we absolutely love. So like we said, it it is a lot of work to put an episode together, but we absolutely love it. And we love really getting deep um, underneath the folklore of the you know and the stories and the songs and just basically we've been able to develop this episode in the way it deserves um thanks to our supporters so thank you to our supporters from the us australia austria and the uk thank you angela bernard boris and david and thank you inessa jen Joan and Johnny. Thank you, Karen, Rosemary, Sean and Spike. You've all helped to create this episode. That's so true. And this is an episode where it's going to really is going to be worth checking out the website and the show notes because there's going to be lots of added detail. You can go to the website www.voicesoftheancestors.co.uk and if you go to the donate page, you'll find all the information about how to make a donation so that we can make more of these episodes for you. Um, and then there's the page that will have a transcript that you can download because this interview with Tamar, I mean, she's done so many things. She's works and teaches in, in many of the German speaking countries. Um, and there's a book that she's um, co-authored with Imka McMurty, and that has a teaching CD with it where there are three voices on it. Um, and the third voice is Nav- Nana Mjavanadze, um, who appears in one of our other episodes. So, yeah, there'll be, and that's, you'll find out all about the, how to get hold of the book on the website resources page. Yes, so here we go. Enjoy our interview with Tamar Boadze and Zoe Perret translating. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you, thank you for um, having me. Thank you for considering that I was a useful person to interview. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome, Zoe. Thank you for being our translator. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to be with you. To work. Um, let's start with where are we? What's this space and what do you do in this space? In Makedan David Scott, two sad vimpropebit echla, jalis es sibsiru aguirsna. 
So we are now uh, in the music school of Rustavi, the number two music school, and I'm the director of this school since 2006. Um, in this school, uh, we have about 400 students, and unfortunately the, the the condition of this building is not good and we have been waiting for so long for renovation or for another building mm -hmm. uh, but despite of the the bad condition there are still 400 students <laughs> <laughs> and is it just a folk music school or what music um, so until 2006 this used to be a piano school um, but uh, it was almost about to to collapse and uh, the, 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 at that time uh, folk music started to be a little bit more uh, fashionable let's say and um, the the mayor the mayor of the city uh, Rustavi uh, came to me and asked me um, if I could take care of this school and he said okay let's uh, change the name and let's call it uh, folk music school um, and actually that's the reason why today probably the, this music was saved this this school was uh, uh, was saved um, and uh, even though it is it, it was called folk music school now any uh, orientation of music uh, is uh, is taught here so it's a, a just a usual uh, music school. Um, there was a, another, another reason also why uh, this could happen is that in 2000, from 2004, Tutarcella, the choir, the folk music choir, uh, started to have rehearsals here. Um, and very soon, um, Tutarcella um, reached a quite big success. So that is also why this school could uh, survive. Mm. So Tutarcella, that's your ensemble. Can you tell us more about it? Where it was Utrechtels? Chemi kolege biska. So it was uh, in two thousand four. I was just uh, sitting home, and it was at the time quite a difficult period uh, economically. Um, and I thought, okay, we I was talking with some of my friends, some of my musicians' friends, and we said, okay, we need to do something, um, and not to get bored, <laughs> let's uh, start a choir. And this is how Tutarcella started. Uh, so at that time, uh, at the same time, I met uh, a lady, uh, a last lady, uh, whose name is Nazi Memishishi. Nazi Memishishi. Uh, so Nazi uh, is my neighbor till today. And uh, she told me, look, uh, I know um, so many last songs. Uh, I think it would be interesting for you to listen to them. And why not? Uh, you could uh, maybe sing them and uh, work on them. And, um, let's say, make them Georgian so that uh, people can, can sing them. Uh, actually, Nazi is a very patriot uh, <laughs> woman, 
Um, and so th- she really wanted us to sing these songs. So yeah. this happened in Rustavi. So Rustavi mm-hmm. is about almost as far away as you can get from the Black Sea and Lazetti. Uh, Exactly, Lazetti, yeah. And Esrdebal, Rustav, she from Shani, this happens in Rustavi, which is very uh, far from uh, Lazetti, uh, but this woman is from Sarpi originally, but just now she has uh, her family here. Zustat and periods, home, Moklet, Medavitz, Benazistan. So I started to um, to go to her house and to listen to her songs. Unfortunately, I didn't uh, have a recorder at that time, but uh, I would listen uh, carefully to, to what she was singing, and it was and, and I was trying to uh, write down to, uh, the notation of this, uh, like the, the, the transcribe uh, on scores all these songs um, because she was every time, of course, singing a different variant <laughs> version of the song. Yeah. At that time, um, I also attended a concert that was organized by the Georgian Church uh, in Tbilisi, and uh, it was a song by a Turkish man, a Turkish singer, uh, very famous, and I then realized that uh, this, so this, um, uh, this music, that it was Laz music, uh, it mean, meant that it was interesting for these people as well. So um, I contacted the Georgian church and uh, they said yes, actually we are, we are very interested in the Laz uh, folklore and uh, there is even a, a radio a channel that has been created for last people uh, and we want last people to listen to Georgian uh, music, Megrelian songs, etc. Because the last people um, uh, from today, uh, they live in Turkey and most of them, they think they have no, no connection to Georgia and they think they are not uh, Georgians at all. So it was kind of mission from the Georgian church to make them listen to uh, Georgian music and to, for them to feel the connection uh, through this music. So, uh, parallelly, uh, I also started uh, to work on these songs and to make a, 
them as three parts a song and to teach them to my choir, to Tarcella. For them it was a little bit uh, difficult because it's a completely different language. For me it was not that difficult because my mother is in Mingrelian, so Mingrelian being quite close to Laz. It was not so hard. So Mingrelian and Laz uh, languages are very similar, it's almost the same language. Yeah. So, so does her mother sing Mingrelian songs, or did she grow up listening to Mingrelian songs? Um, uh, I actually uh, learned uh, Megrelian songs from my grandmother. She was a very good singer. Uh, she used to sing so much to me, and I loved it. But at some point, I was telling her because I was studying music, and it was not. Um, matching into the, you know, like uh, tempered <laughs> um, scale. So I thought she was uh, singing not right, not the right notes. <laughs> so I kept telling her, no, this is wrong. But then I realized uh, how huge was the, the treasure that she actually left me by teaching me these songs and the way she <laughs> was uh, interpreting them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it happened that for me these last songs uh, I felt very close to, to this last song for some reason and uh, I really put a lot of energy in it in, in this uh, in, for this um, so for me it was kind of experiments and uh, when I finished that I decided okay let's go and show these experiments to the people in the conservatory. Uh, and uh, this has caused a lot of, uh, how to say, dispute. Uh, We're talking about an academic conservatory, mm-hmm. aren't we, in Tbilisi? Uh, but uh, to the ethnomusicologists. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she said, so uh, I remember that uh, ethnomusicologists were... Um, not fighting, but you know, having a discussion, <laughs> arguments uh, between each other about my experiments. <laughs> so I felt so embarrassed because of these people were like, uh, you know, they were discussing between each other. And uh, basically, the only person that uh, probably felt pity for me and that uh, was uh, uh, on my side was Tamas Gabisonia. <laughs> Um, and also Kukuri Chokhonelidze uh, was really happy uh, of my, my experiments and he said okay, this is really nice and please we should uh, come again to uh, please come again to us and uh, we should collaborate together what are the names of the songs that Tama was experimenting with uh, so, for example, uh, so, 
So some of the songs, like uh, Hey Amoli, um, I, I learned them uh, from the uh, conservatory archives. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, I also made some arrangements and Almost all these songs are only one part, voice. There's only a few songs that are recorded with two parts. Uh, but most of them, they are one uh, one voice, and so that's why I started to try to make them into polyphony, into three parts, uh, singing. So I, I, I would like to know, Tamar, we often talk about the journey of Georgian songs because we're from England, we first heard and learnt songs in England. And if we jump forward from that moment when you were creating these three-part harmonies for Laz's songs. Have you any idea where those songs have travelled to now? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that especially three songs, Elemele, Kismeti, Heyamoli, and Horoni, 
Uh, these three songs have been now spread worldwide and they are sung in Europe, uh, in America and even I think in Australia. And in London, yes, <laughs> on Friday. <laughs> we, we sing this Elenelli Kismeti in our choir in London and tomorrow at the Wigmore Hall, uh, tomorrow they will perform this on stage. Trans Gunchis Meridian, Swatashis London Shida, Hual, Soret Shivas Rulet, Chenigundi, Italian Michadia. I'm really happy about it. So um, I'm really happy because actually not so many Georgians now in Georgia sing uh, these songs. Um, the way I made the arrangements, uh, I made them for for my choir and I made up basically a, a, a new way of uh, interpreting them. So I knew when uh, arranging these songs how it could uh, uh, fit into my choir's style and how these how my singers could could sing them. So I I crafted. Yes, I crafted. So these songs were coming out of our choir's soul, let's say our yeah. interior. Uh, Universe. Yes. <laughs> and this was uh, actually um, thanks to these last songs that uh, people in Europe started to get to know Tutarcella. Uh, the, 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 the period uh, period at that time was very hard uh, uh, economically and uh, you know like sometimes we didn't even have uh, uh, money to come to the rehearsal but uh, despite all, all of that uh, we uh, we put so much effort and not only me but the other um, people in the choir that I think today that I have um, put more uh, energy and effort into these uh, choirs and this school than in my own family. Not only me, but actually every woman in this choir in Tutarcella. You're hard-working Let's say so, today we are not considered anymore as a folk choir and we felt a little bit uh, like, uh, excluded. So it's, it's, a, it's a little bit hard when you feel like you are not part of the community. Always listening to the, this uh, remark that, okay, you are not a folk ensemble. It was never actually our ambition anyway. We never wanted to um, to perform exactly the way uh, people performed in the recordings, in the archive recordings. First of all, I always consider that uh, this... Uh, so we are, we are people and we want to enjoy what we are doing and we want to enjoy the process of singing. 
There was also one thing that uh, caused a lot of, uh, how to say, uh, agitation uh, from uh, the men. It was the fact that we started to sing uh, men's repertoire <laughs> as women. Some of the men were not happy at all about that. <laughs> At the beginning, I really didn't understand. I didn't get the point why they are. They were so upset that we uh, performed these songs. I just love these songs, like Naduri, for example. Why shouldn't? Uh, I think anyway, uh, these songs are not performed any uh, anymore in the original function, right? So, uh, as long as it's already on the stage perform i think uh, the gender here does not have uh, so much uh, importance mm. anymore and who said that naduri is a men's song anyway because the women are i think also working da saidan vitit maiza maestro naduri unda qopili qo gatsebis simghela rodesats kalebits kho mushaobnen ise da tsqanashi yes of course <laughs> Uh, you know, until today I remember uh, the voice of my grandmother and I remember how she was performing um, and uh, it was very authentic, it was really uh, like it was her style, it was her, so uh, I, I learned a lot from this but I didn't never consider that I was to copy and to reproduce exactly her uh, style of performance because I was another person and I had my other um, my own style my own <laughs> universe so I was not to copy her exactly mm. so I'm, I'm interested I know Tamar has taught many other people in other parts of the world and I wonder if she thinks there is an idea of a, a Georgian woman sound is there a Georgian voice for women <laughs> Uh, for me, the most important, I think, is uh, to um, to be able to transmit the soul uh, of this song, um, and not uh, the most important is not the gender, genre of this song. Uh, should it be like lullaby or whatever? But what 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 it brings to us? What is the the emotion of this song? The soul. So I think that anybody actually can. Sing these songs. There is one thing that I noticed. Uh, um, I think is important is that uh, our ancestors, uh, the, the people who were singing, who used to sing these songs, uh, they were much more connected to their body, and this connection is uh, lost. I think uh, today of the performances that yeah. I hear. So I always tell my, my, my students that when they sing, okay, try to um, to feel that you are uh, standing on the grass, that you are sitting on the earth, because if you feel that, then uh, necessarily you will feel that the, the whole body is 
engaged. Uh, actually, these people, our ancestors, they were not uh, thinking about the position of their voice or should they do this or that. Actually, they were just singing with their body uh, in their, uh, how, how to say, in their everyday life, and they didn't have this um, these thoughts. Probably, they they just were naturally singing. Um, if you take only the scores, if you transcribe the, these songs um, into three parts, you look at the scores and you're like, oh, that's quite easy, actually. It's nothing very special. And uh, it happened, like, when I was doing this workshop, that, like, in a few minutes, because I gave them the scores, they they would be able to, to perform the, the, uh, the song, uh, like, by the notes. But um, then, when I started to explain uh, more in detail and the soul of uh, of this, this is where the people then understand uh, where is the unique unicity, <laughs> mm. <laughs> how to say, of, of these songs, uh, what make them unique, yes. mm. what make them special. Hey, 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 Look at the music uh, from the ethnomusicological point of view. Uh, I, I look at music uh, as music. It's much more important to see the musicality, I guess, from, uh, from, from the performance of, uh, of someone. Uh, because someone might be uh, singing something that has nothing to do with the folklore, uh, but still I, I might be much more touched by his or her singing than some kind of... Uh, um, performance from an ethnomusicologist that is not maybe interesting for me, it doesn't touch my soul. I always uh, like uh, more um, the performances that I feel like are simple or um, uh, true, <laughs> uh, so they are sincere. So I like to listen uh, to performances by non-professional and by uh, people who, uh, from whom I can feel that they are really sincere and true about what they are singing. And that's why actually I love uh, working with uh, non-professional uh, singers. This would be a great time to ask Tamar to tell us about her experiment in Bustavi Park. So, um, because of the pandemic, uh, of course, many people uh, felt a little bit down. Uh, there was not so much going on. Um, but from my side, actually, I still have had some energy, and I thought, okay, uh, maybe we should do something for for these people. We should come up with an idea. And so that's why I decided to uh, start uh, these workshops. Um, and uh, yeah, I was happy, even though it was not exactly what I expected. Uh, still, I was really happy that something like this happened. 
What did you expect? I think from the from some of the participants there were there was a lack of discipline. They were not really focused on the, what we were doing. Uh, so I would have would have wished a little bit more um, you know, like that they would be more into it. But uh, it's okay. I guess this also needs uh, some experience uh, <laughs> from my side as well. Because I think I came to the, some of the early ones and I remember people were saying to me that this hasn't been done before in Georgia. It's mm -hmm. the first time. Yeah, it's true. And actually, I, I, I had the. Uh, I, I really wanted to have this kind of workshops in other cities as well. So I have a question, which is um, our most recent episode, uh, somebody who's worked with you, Bridget Boyle, said this great phrase. It was like, I think Tamabuadze, she comes at music from a revolutionary place. So I'm wondering what energy Tamar has for the future, what her current projects are. Bridget Boyle. Bridget Boyle. Mm -hmm. Rasitri Magazeta is Zarari Sanusheni Gegmebi as if to Quatano, Magazine Lakashi Mulia. I never uh, look at music from uh, uh, a frame, from some uh, uh, laws or some uh, rules. I just look at it as music uh, and as a musician. I don't have uh, limits, I don't uh, put myself into a frame. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, same thing for last songs, for example. Maybe I did not transmit exactly uh, the way it was before, uh, but uh, most importantly, I transmitted the soul of this song, and that's everything for me. It's my um, approach to any music, not only folk music, but even classical music, to be free uh, from frames. So then if we ask the question, what does Voices of the Ancestors mean to you? I wonder what the answer will be. Tamar, what does Voices of the Ancestors mean to you? Um, um, so, I, as I said earlier, when I was a, a kid, uh, I would, like when I was listening to grand, my grandmother, I was like, no, I don't want to sing like, like her because I am myself, etc. But, uh, as more the time when time passes, I now realize that actually uh, the voice of my grandmother today is the, the, for me the biggest uh, link and the biggest inspiration. So it's the foundation for me. Uh, I think I, I'm standing on on this this voice. 
so when I have holidays, uh, I always feel the, the call from my grandmother's house. I always want to go there. I, there is always a voice telling me, come here. And uh, somehow I managed to go. So I am uh, driven by this voice, actually. So let's say. Uh, this is, uh, and actually, this is the voice that I have, I have been following, my grandmother's voice. So she lost her She lost her grandchild, small girl. She was just a few months, uh, but she couldn't cry. Actually, she was. She always had to sing somehow, and she was transmitting these emotions by, by singing. I'm really laughing at myself when, when I, uh, I remember I'm reminding this, uh, these moments when I was a kid and telling my grandmother not to do this and not to sing like this. No, you should not sing like this and you should sing like this. But uh, even though I was saying that, at the same time, I was of course, um, taking on me all, all this uh, uh, energy and the, the, the style of her singing and everything. So uh, today I consider that this, uh, this is what uh, uh, stayed in, in myself. It's the most important that she has um, uh, left me. I just want to check my understanding. I, I think you are saying that your grandmother sang everything through those emotions of loss, not mm-hmm. just say Zari or. Anu, tu sorat kavigio anu imis tukmakin tu daro. Ola persim mghero danu ne bismira gatsa sanu simgherit kamo khata. Kamo khata okay. She would express everything yeah. with the singing. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Holly and I have had the experience of being in Samagrelo when someone had died. And hearing someone mm-hmm. wail, I would call it wailing. Mm. I thought it was the wind, but it was a, a real person. And day it after was day. a grandmother. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I don't think I'd really heard a human make such a. It was a song, but mm. it was a wail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So make mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, my grandmother as well was Megrelian. Hi everyone, it's Holly here from the editing suite. Wow, how cool is Tamar? And that's just our first chat with her, but like we said, I went back a few months later to hear her sing in her grandmother's voice. So keep listening for part two coming up next. And there's even a surprise guest who turns up and tells us all about Tutarcella Youth Choir. I've loved working on this episode for you, and if you're enjoying listening to it, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media rating and reviewing it. We rely on you, our community of listeners, to help us grow, 
you are the marketing team for Voices of the Ancestors. And you also help us with the production costs by becoming patrons. As we said at the top of the episode, it's only with your support that we've been able to give this episode the time and detail and attention it really deserves. So if you want to be part of creating more episodes like this, just visit voicesoftheancestors.co.uk and click donate. We have so many exciting ideas for the rest of the series and I just hope that we can keep bringing stories and songs to you. Thanks a lot and see you in part two.